Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and his word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in. Hey, if you have your Bibles or maybe you're gonna use your app on your phone or whatever, you wanna go ahead and open that uh, to 1 Peter chapter three. We'll be in verses 15 and 16 today. That's in the New Testament. Uh, if you are kind of new, uh, you, you can go to the New Testament. That's almost the end of the, ba- end of the Bible. Revelation, kind of come back a little bit right before the book of James we'll, and we'll be there in just a minute. Uh, last week, we began a new series, as Josh said just a second ago uh, when he did the welcome. Uh, we began a new series called Living in an intentional life. Uh, and, and we heard from Pastor Jeff, our, our senior pastor at our, our Franklin campus. And as, a, as usually when we start a new series, we stream that from the Franklin campus. And so you heard from him uh, last week if you were here. And if you didn't, I'd, in, I'd in, invite you to go back and, and listen to that sermon and uh, check it out. And, you know, we talked about living in this intentional life because if we're not careful, uh, we can get caught up in the busyness and the chaos of life, get distracted by the temporary things and, and ends up slipping through, life slips through our fingers. The, the important things of life slip through our fingers. And, and we know what that's like. We've all had that experience at one level or another of, of things slipping through our fingers. You, I mean, you've had that experience maybe of getting caught up on a, a social media stream, flipping through uh, whatever it is, whatever social media, Tic Tac or whatever it is that, that you do. That's like my old man joke, right? I had to, I had to drop that one because, uh, you know, I'm old. Um, and, or, you know, you do go through a, a, a YouTube wormhole and, and you, you know, like hours later, you realize that you've done nothing but watch YouTube videos of cats and like that was, I guess, cool. You've done Netflix binge, right? They don't even give you, they used to give you like 30 seconds to like decide. It's like three seconds now. And then you're on to the next one. We know what it's like when you, to have that where it kind of just slips away, when time just melts away, when you could have been productive in a block of time and it just, it's all gone. Or maybe it's bigger than just a, a couple of hours or a couple of minutes being flipped away. Maybe in your life, it's been the pursuit of money or possessions or popularity or position at work or recognition or whatever the temporary things of our life are and the temporary trappings of our culture and whole seasons of our life have fallen away. Maybe whole seasons, whole years of our lives have slipped through our fingers and all that we have to show for it is nothing lasting but maybe just the, the pain of lost time or, or pain of, of time that we didn't use well. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 15 through 17 says this. Paul writes, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand the Lord's will, what the Lord's will is. And so in this series we're talking about living an intentional life and, and specifically we're talking about living an intentional life in, in, in the Great Commission as disciples of Jesus carrying out the Great Commission you know, because what, what Jesus tells us in, in the end of the book of Matthew and, and the other gospels is he says to go. Jesus says go. 
And as you go is kind of the language of, the, of, the, of, of what Jesus says in, in the original language is as you go, as you live an intentional life in the day-to-day, in the places that you go, in the places that God's put you as a disciple of Jesus, carry the good news of Jesus with you to share it with those that he's placed around you. And last week we talked about the five eyes of an, of an intentional life. And, and the five eyes are nothing more than just a helpful tool. Hopefully it's a helpful tool for us to remember, kind of an evangelism tool for us. And, and we began, or we said these five eyes were identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. And so we're going to work through that over the next several weeks, kind of leading us up to Thanksgiving. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. And last week, we started again with identify, where we just said, hey, who are the people around you? Can you identify five people around you? And some of you got a card, and maybe if you didn't get a card, we have some more of these. And just kind of keeping this in your pocket, in your Bible, somewhere where you see it on a daily basis. Maybe it's in your car, on the window in your, in your house, in, or window, mirror in your, in your bathroom or whatever. And just, hey, who are the five people that God's put you in life with right now that you're praying for, that maybe there's an opportunity for you to share the good news of the gospel with them? And so last week was Identify, and I'm assuming with a group of individuals as smart as you guys are, you can, you can guess an idea of where we're going with the next I this morning. Anybody want to guess? It's on the worship guide. <clears throat> yep, okay, thanks for, the, uh, thanks for participating. That was awesome. Uh, invest, that's where we're going this week. Geniuses, you, you guys. Uh, the Columbia campus, we rank up there with... Um, the rest of them, right? We're, uh, so we're, we're, we're going to talk about investing this morning and, and what it means to invest as we live intentional lives with those that we've identified. How do we invest in their lives? And so we want to read this passage from 1 Peter together and then let's pray and then we'll dive in. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously or maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you, God, that we do. We know you from a thousand names, God, as healer, as defender, as lover of our soul as refuge and strength. Father, ultimately we know you as Savior and Lord for those who have put their faith in you. And Father, you've given us a call as your disciples, as, though you've, as those you've put your life inside to carry the life of Jesus, the life of your spirit to the places that you've sent us, to the people that you've put us around to carry the good news to them to live lives in such a way as this passage tells us, to live lives in such a way that those that don't know you question why we have hope and that we would be ready to give those answers. And I pray that as we work through this passage this morning that you would open our eyes to see the beauty of your word, you would open our ears to hear from you, God, and you would transform our lives as we come in contact with you this morning. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. So we begin, uh, we've got four things I kind of want to walk through this morning as we work through this passage. And the first is this, that, that investing begins with having the right priorities. Investing begins with having the right priorities. 
If you have your worship guide, you can write that down. You can, that's the first kind of space for us this morning. There's some space for you to write other notes. But investing begins with having the right priorities. It says again in our passage, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as, as Lord. And Peter's writing this letter to, to a group of Christians in the early church that have been scattered and moved about from, from mostly Jerusalem and kind of the areas surrounding Jerusalem. And they've been scattered outward because of persecution that's fallen on the church. And so as they've moved out, he's writing this letter to, to teach them, to remind them of what it looks like to live godly lives. And as you read the chapters kind of proceeding, he talks about in, in marriage relationships and with your boss and with all these different relationships, what it looks like to live a godly life. And specifically when we get to this passage in verses 14, 14, 15, 16, what he's saying is this is what it looks like to live a godly life in the midst of suffering. And so if you go back to verse 14, it says, but even, even if you should suffer for what is right, meaning you do what's right, you're living a godly life and you suffer, you're blessed. So don't fear their, their threats. Don't fear the threats of those who, who are persecuting you. Don't be frightened by them. Rather, revere Christ as Lord. His encouragement to this, to the encouragement in verse 15 is, is, is to in their hearts to revere, to regard, to set apart as Christ as their Lord, to worship him as Lord. And this is important for us for two reasons as we work through this passage. Two reasons. The first, it's because it's our priority. The first priority that we have is as for every believer is that Christ is Lord over all of our lives. The first priority for all of us, it begins by setting the priorities and, and the two priorities that we set, the first priority is that he, that we recognize that he is the Lord of our lives. When we put our faith in him to be our savior, we're also putting our faith in him and, and, and submitting our lives to him as Lord of our lives. We're saying you are our Lord. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes that, that we are not our own, that we were bought with a price. When, when we trust Christ for salvation, his blood has purchased us. And we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to him. He is Lord of our lives. And we begin with this priority of recognizing that he is Lord of our lives. One author makes this sobering statement about the Lordship of Christ. He says, unless Jesus is Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. And it's a challenge for us as believers, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus. If you've put your faith in Jesus, that Jesus' Jesus's rule over your life, his, his sovereign rule over every area of your life, you've, you've submitted yourself to, every, every, to, to his rule in every area of your life. And there's no rivalry on the throne, no rivalry on his throne for your your obedience in your life in all areas. He's Lord of our thoughts and our emotions, our speech and our relationships, our possessions. He's Lord of our whole life. He's the abiding priority of our whole lives. And that brings us to the second reason that we begin with, that investing begins with priorities because if he's the Lord of all of our lives, that means that the Lord's priorities become our priorities. If he is our priority, then, then our priorities become his, what, what his priorities are become our priorities and we value what he values. And we talked about this a little bit last week and, and, and kind of Jesus' final words to his disciples in the Great Commission, he says this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, says, therefore go. And we said that that's as you're going, therefore go and make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. 
And Luke, in his, uh, great commi- or his uh, account of the Great Commission in the book of Acts, he writes this in, in verse, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you, talking to the disciples, and then by extension us, you will receive the power of the Spirit when, when this Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Pastor J.D. Greer says about this passage that you think about all the things that Jesus could have said in that moment. That you are, all the things that he could have given to, to us in that moment where you are my, what, but he says worshiper, or he says witnesses. He said, he could have said worshipers, he could have said prayer warriors, he could have said Bible studiers, right? But he said, he said witnesses, that you are my witnesses. We are those who are sent. It's his, it's, he is the ultimate priority in our lives. And because he is the ultimate priority in our lives, that his priorities become our priorities. And his priority is to seek and to save the lost, is what scripture says, the reason why he came. He sent us as witnesses. He sent us to be those who carry the gospel as we go to those who are near, to those who are far away, to those who are under our roof as m- moms and dads, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're a kid and in, in, your house, in your house maybe you don't have parents who believe in Jesus and so he sent you to them, He's, he sent you to your neighbors, he sent you from, from your neighbors to every tribe and tongue and every nation. Investing begins with having the right priorities. God is our ultimate priority. He's ruler, he's Lord of all of our lives and his his priorities become our priorities. His priority is seeking and saving the lost. So investing begins with priorities and second, investing means that we remain prepared. You look back at the passage, investing means that we remain prepared. It says again, "But but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. Everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. As a parent, I've learned a lot. I learned I didn't know as much as I thought I did when I was a kid. Uh, that's, that was number one. Another thing that I've learned uh, as a parent is that getting ready is probably the most difficult thing in the world. It happens about every evening, about the time when, when everything should be shutting down. And I tell my kids, go get ready for bed. And I love my, my kids are incredible. They're awesome. But when I say, go get ready for bed, the despair that comes upon them in the idea of going and getting ready for bed is just incomprehensible. I don't understand. I'm always ready to go to bed. I don't, I, like, I don't know why you're not ready to go to bed. Right, just stay ready to go to bed. That that would be the way that, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of people recently in public places. They have their pajamas on. I guess they stay ready to go to bed. I didn't get to do that when I was a kid. Also, as a parent, I've learned that it's not only that that there's that getting ready is is hard, but there's a disconnect or a misunderstanding of what it means to be ready in my home. Sometimes that I've learned that when I ask my kids, "Are you ready to go?" And they say yes, that in just out of curiosity, if I ask a question such as like, do you have your shoes on? The answer is often no. And I, I can't imagine how that means that you are ready to go anywhere, Cooper. The, um, the uh, I love you. <laughs> but the, the reality is the, 
The reality is that we, we were ready, is what, what it says to be ready, to be ready to give, to give an answer no matter what. And maybe you've heard the phrase, you, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And I don't know who to give the, the, that, the, the, the quote, the, the credit for that quote to, but I, I know that I'm being judged by a handful of the grammar guardians with the idea of staying ready. You, you ain't got to get ready. I'm from South Louisiana and I didn't create the quote. So put your red pins down. It'll be okay. But investing in others means that we stay ready. We're always prepared to give an answer. We remain ready and remaining prepared, we remain prepared because people are watching. We remain prepared because people are watching. And remember the context of this passage is Peter's writing to these Christians who have been dispersed from Jerusalem and, and kind of have gone out to these other places because of persecution. He's saying, hey, listen, as you're living a life of obedience, despite the persecution, despite all the problems that you're facing, as you're living a life of obedience there, there's going to be people who keep their eyes on you. As you walk in faithfulness, as you live faithful lives where you're saying to the people that are around you that maybe you're even the ones that are persecuting you, that Jesus is better, that Jesus is more beautiful, that Jesus is more worthy than, than anything that this culture has to offer, that your hope rests not in your circumstances or worldly measures of, of success, but your hope rests in him. And because of it, because you live these faithful and obedient lives, those, maybe even those that are persecuting you, are going to notice that something is different. And so be, be ready to answer the question of why, why you have hope. What's your hope in? And the reality is that this is one of those moments that's a little uncomfortable because this is, this is a moment where we have to ask ourselves the uncomfortable question of is there really anything different? We have to ask ourselves, we have to do the personal work to say, it, 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 for parents, do my kids, for, for all of us, do my neighbors, do my friends, do my friends at school, for you, for you students in the room, do my coworkers, for, for those, of you, those of us going to nine to fives and working every day, do, 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 the parent, do, do parents on the sidelines of my kids' teams, do the folks who scroll through my media page, do they see that there's anything different? Is there reasons for there to look in my life and say, what's the reason for the hope that you have that's different than the hope that I have? And if you're like me, that's a pretty stinging question. If you're like me, when you truly have to ask that question, because truly if Jesus is Lord of our lives, the, the natural outworking, the obvious outworking of that is that, that our lives stand in contrast to the culture that we live in. That includes my words, it includes my pursuits, it includes, it includes my purchases, my priorities, it includes my perspective on politics because truly, listen, my, my hope is not built on, on whether or not we have a blue president or a red president or the policies that they make. My, my hope is built on a savior and his name is Jesus. So there, is there anything different? Do people notice that there's something different? Is there reasons for them to ask whether or not or why my hope is different than their hope? And again, it begins again with priorities being set right. If God is Lord of our lives, then our lives look different. If God is Lord of our lives, then his priorities are our priorities and his priorities are seeking and saving the lost. And so we adopt those and it begins with the right priorities. Investing means that we remain prepared all the time to give an answer to anyone who would ask. And third, I think this passage tells us that 
that investing is often more practical than we imagine. Investing is often more practical than we imagine. This message, uh, this, this series is, is one that's really not uh, easy to preach, if I'm honest. Uh, partly uh, because of the personal conviction that it stirs up as I, as I prepare. And, I, and we had in my community group last week, we had conversation about what it means and identifying people and, and what it means to share the gospel and the, the, that personal evaluation of, of am I stepping into those places and the names that I have. And if, if you know, I, I've got to go to be, to, play, to be in the places where these people are, you know, so that I have to make those commitments. Am, am I doing those things? So there's, there's personal evaluation. There's personal conviction in this. But it's also, secondly, the, the, this is a hard sermon series a hard passage, a hard message to preach because of the paralyzing cloud of fear and anxiety that comes over uh, or disconnectedness that, that seems to descend on the church when we talk about personal evangelism. And it just happens. Like it, it's like because I've been where you're sitting, I, I know the disconnectedness that happens when we, you're like, well, that's for somebody else. You know, I, I know what you're talking about, but I'm not qualified for that. That's somebody else's job, right? T, that's your job. You're the pastor. You get paid to do that. Well, I, that's, I, to be truthful, that's not in Scripture that I get paid to do that. Uh, that's just part of who, I, who we are all as believers, right? But there, this cloud, the only, thing, the only cloud that descends quicker on a congregation and makes them disconnect and, and have fear and anxiety more than a personal evangelism talk is talking about money. But at least in evangelism talks, you guys at least nod and act like you're, uh, you agree. We talk about money, nobody, everybody tunes out. And by the way, next week we're going to talk about finances. <laughs> I'm joking. But listen to this passage. It says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason, for the hope. Give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. It's important for me as, as a pastor, but as just a, a brother in Christ, as a, as a friend to, in, person, in my personal life and, and, and for us as together to, to, to kind of push back, to dispel, to kind of move back this cloud that falls on us, this anxiety and fear that settles on so many of us when we talk about personal evangelism and investing in others. Because, listen, it's far more practical than we imagine. I, I mean, listen, I, I love apologetics. I love sitting down sometimes with individuals and, and having conversations about the hard things of Scripture. I, I, I love those things, and, and, I, and I, I'll give time to those things, but I'm tired of the lies that paralyze us from, from stepping into these conversations. I'm tired of the lies that paralyze countless believers, that, ex, that those excuses and fears that we, that we say that I'm not qualified and I don't know the answers to the hard questions. Listen, the passage didn't say you're going to have to work out whether it's old earth or new earth in, in evolution. The passage doesn't tell us that we're going to have to walk through questions about problem of evil. That's not what he says. He says, live a life that's different enough that when people see your life, they say there's something different about you and they begin asking questions. And when they ask, be ready to give them an answer that your hope is in Jesus and do it with gentleness and respect. It doesn't say wax eloquent on dinosaurs. If you wanna do that, that's great, but that's not what the passage says. 
It doesn't say make sure you pass the personal evangelism course, whichever one we decide to go through. It doesn't say that. It says be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. We make things more difficult than they have to be. Peter's instructions is just to be ready to give an answer. And so it's practical, number one, in the place. And we talked a little bit about this last week, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. But it's the, the identifying the people that God has placed in your lives. And there's a quote from uh, an author, Rosario, Rosario Butterfield, Butterfield. It's a great name. Her, her book, The Gospel, comes with a house key which says, God never gets the address wrong, which just means this, that the places that you are, the house that you live in, the gym that you work out in, the, 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 the workplace, your school, all the things, all of these places that we find ourselves in, God didn't get the address of those things wrong. He's put you in those lives. Those are the people that he's put you in the lives of to proclaim his good news, to invest in. He's placed you there right where you are right now to join him in the work that he's already doing. Listen, he's gone before you. He's already actively working in their hearts. And we know that, especially we see it when they begin asking the questions because they ask the questions because he's working in their hearts. And that another, it's just another opportunity for you to join him in the work that he's already up to. It's practical in the place that we find ourselves. And secondly, it's practical in practice. Paul's words, to, Paul's words to the Thessalonians is helpful for us to understanding this call to invest our lives in those that we've identified and those that God's put us around. He says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, which he did, not only the gospel of God, but also our lives as well. He said, we delighted we, it, brought, it brought us great joy, not only to share the gospel, this good news of Jesus, but to invest our time and our energy to get to sharing our lives with each other, to being a neighbor and a friend, not coldly dispensing information about the gospel, not just draw, walking through a, a, a track that says these words, but not being completely detached from the highs and lows of your lives, but sharing our lives with you. We delighted in that. It, Investing is practical. It's practical because it's really literally just sharing our lives. It's being a good friend to someone. Being a good friend who's not just in it for, for selfish reasons, thinking only about what I might get from the relationship. Being a good friend who cares and celebrates the highs and weeps when they weep in the lows. A good friend who's compassionate, who listens, who shares their, their life with someone else, who, who hears when they're hurting and follows up. Literally, literally one, of the, one of the easiest ways that we can invest in others, in others' lives is listening being compassionate in those moments, thanking them for sharing with us those things that they're walking through, positives or negatives, and following up with them and letting them know that we care and that we're praying for them. It can be the easiest ways to invest. It doesn't have to be a five-step process. You don't even have to have a card that you put in your wallet that you know who you're investing in. Literally listening, being compassionate, Celebrating when you need to celebrate, weeping when they need to weep, being by them and with them, following up and letting them know that you care. In a world that is, that is swallowed up in loneliness, 
Christians literally just stepping into lives of others may be the greatest evangelical tool that we have. Far before you learn the five laws of whatever or the Romans road, which I'm not saying are bad, but just that you step into the lives of those who are around you who are lonely and longing for some hope. And you have hope and his name is Jesus. One of the ways this, this morning as you're, as you're exiting, we have, give, I'll share a little more about this, but we have uh, new neighbor boxes that, that are going to be available on a, on a weekly basis. And if you have somebody that's moving in or you know a house is for sale and somebody in the next couple of days is going to, next little while is going to move into a, a house net down the street. Listen, people are moving from all over the place and they need friends, they need neighbors, they need people who are going to be neighbors to them. Because they have a house, but they don't necessarily have a home. And from the very beginning of this church, what we said is that all of these people who are moving to this area that God is, God is bringing to us, we wanted to be a place for them, that we wanted to be a part of their house becoming a home. And so we have these neighbor boxes, and I'll show it to you later as we close. But it's a box that has all of the stuff to make cookies, right? And the goal is not that you bring them the stuff to make cookies, but that you make the cookies and pack it in the box and bring it to them, right? Like, here, here's a job for you. I like cookies. You can bring it. Just connect, just an easy way to connect and say hello and bring them, bring them something to say, hey, we're, we're neighbors, and we just want, we want to welcome you to our neighborhood. Begin the conversation. We care about you. Last thing is that investing requires patience. Investing requires patience. And it's a good thing that we talked about uh, fruit of the spirit just recently. We talked about patience. So I know you guys are going to crush this. But, you know, we talked about all, uh, that uh, in the beginning uh, with this passage from Ephesians where it says that, that we, take, we, we take every opportunity, right? We make the most of every opportunity, and we do because the days are evil, and we don't know when our last day is. We don't know when the opportunities are going to come, when the next opportunity is. So we, uh, we take the most, and we make the most out of every opportunity that, we, that we're given. But we have to hold in tandem this reality that we take, they take these opportunities and make the most of them, everyone that we're given in because the days are evil. And the other side is that God holds the timeline, not us. And what we're called to in investing is going to take patience. It's going to take patience. It's going to take patience because we want it in a microwave culture to happen immediately, right? That we recognize, we identified these people, and we want to recognize, we've identified them, and now we're going to start investing. And in a couple days from now, we're going to see everything change. And that's not how it's going to happen. Not More than likely, that's not how it's going to happen. It's going to be a long, a long journey of investing of giving time and energy, sometimes when you don't want to give time and energy, of giving time and energy to other people. And I know that none of you are like this, but some people are messy. It's gonna take patience because some of them are gonna get on your nerves. Some of the people that you're gonna invest in, they're gonna, they're gonna try your patience. But the very nature of investing is that you're gonna give time and energy when you don't want to give it. Because it's worth investing in people. It's worth in, in sharing life with other people because, because, because that's what Christ did. And he's already given us that example. It also it requires patience because there could be collateral damage. You go back to verse 16. It says, do, it, it, it says keeping a clear conscience so that when they speak against you, against your good behavior, in Christ, they may be ashamed of their slander. 
Listen, you're going to invest in people's lives. You're going to have people that you identify that God's put around you. You're going to invest in their lives and they're going to say negative things about you. And it's going to take patience in those moments to continue to reflect Christ. Because it may be that in that very moment that God's using to open their eyes to the grace of Christ, the grace of God in Christ Jesus. The way that you respond to those things. It's going to take patience. It's going to take patience because we don't, we don't hold the timeline in our hands. It's his. We can do all that we, that we want to do, but it's not a, a five-step process to putting furniture together like from Ikea. It, it, it is intentional investment that has not promised anything immediate. In fact, we may never see it on this side of heaven. So, but the reality is it's all worth it. It's all worth it because it's what Christ calls us to. It's what Peter writes to this group of Christians. And though we don't experience persecution in the same way they experience persecution, he's calling us, God is calling us in the same way to live lives in such a way that those who don't know Christ see something markedly different in us to the extent they begin to ask questions about why we live and look the way that we look. Why we have hope when it doesn't seem like there's any hope to be had. And to be ready to give an answer when they ask. I'm going to invite the band, to come, the, 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 the guys to come back up and we're going to close with another song. Just as they come this will just kind of be a song of response. It's just a reminder of the good news that we proclaim. Uh, but I want to invite you just to kind of to close your eyes and, uh, as they come and, and we just kind of prepare for this. Some of you, you're, 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 as you're processing through this this morning, you're ready. You're, you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to invest. I'm ready to jump in. But some of you, you've come and you've heard this and you're like, I don't really understand what you're talking about. I, I'm, I'm maybe one of those that's on the outside. That, I, that, that I'm looking in and maybe I've seen some Christians and I'm here this morning because sometimes I've seen Christians and they haven't done great things, but I've seen enough that I want to know a little more about it. And if that's you this morning, then I want to have a conversation with you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And you're not signing up for anything. We're not going to put you on stage next week. We just want to ask, I just want to have a conversation about what it looks like to take the next step in learning about who Jesus is and why we have the hope that we have as, as followers of Christ. And so as the service, as, as we sing this song, we have some of our prayer team. I think we have a couple of our prayer team that are going to step to the back, back here. Uh, if you don't mind, guys, if y'all can go ahead and do that. and uh, we'll, They'll be in the back. And, and if you just want to connect with them, and that they'll connect you with me later on uh, as we close so that I can have a, a second round of conversation if, if that's what you want to have, just to find out what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So let's pray, and then we'll sing this one song, give us some time to respond, and then we'll come back and uh, a couple things we want to make sure you're aware of before we leave. Jesus, we thank you for this morning and for your word. And we, God, we pray for, God, our hearts to be open to what you're doing. That, God, we would, be, we would be moved by your love, compelled by your love and by the gospel that's so clearly displayed. That, Father, you came to us. You, you came from, you left the comforts of, of heaven. Jesus, you came to us to rescue us, to restore and to redeem. 
And God, you sent us with the message of rescue and restoration and redemption to a world that's longing for hope. God, I pray that we as your body, as, as Rolling Hills Columbia would be individuals who live lives in such a way that we would be spurred on to live obedient lives that, God, that, that say that you are more beautiful, that you are better, that you are more worthy than any pursuit of this world. God, you would use us in those places and you would give us courage in those moments as, as those that you've put us around see that there's hope that's different. You give us courage to speak up and share about that hope. Our hope whose name is Jesus. And God, if there's anybody in this room this morning who has not yet put their hope in you, has not come to that place where they've, they've said, I want Jesus to be my savior and I recognize I need a savior. And God, I pray that you would move by the power of your spirit this morning in their, in their hearts right now and move them to just begin a conversation about what that looks like this morning. We ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, or follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.